Hey you, yeah you, the beautiful trans person with the headphones in, crank it. You're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, the strong and dedicated Terry Ellen. This is episode 23, and it's Trans Day of Visibility. Today we stand proud of who we are, and we reflect on those that have pushed our movement forward in history and in the present. Trans individuals have unwavering courage to live their lives in the public eye on a daily basis. We celebrate this day showing strength, the love of community, and to announce to the world we're valid, united, and unstoppable. Today we talk about 10 incredible trans people that deserve recognition and thanks. Now let's get chatting about these pillars in our community. me where you're smelling salts what are you talking about you don't know that line from gone with the wind you've never seen gone with the wind i have seen gone with the wind and oh yes it's like yes oh and uh, and pity pat yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what women had in their little snuff boxes when they felt faint they get (laughs) yeah take a shot of blow and you're good right that's what it was back in back in in the day when cocaine was medicinal that was in the bad days so Anyway, we should get on with our topic. We should get on with our topic. So tonight we're doing... What is our topic? What are we talking about? Something about visibility or something. Something like that. I think there's some special day coming up tomorrow or that, isn't there? Tomorrow, yes. Yeah. PDOV. It is indeed. And I think that's an amazing day. I think it's something that we should really celebrate. Um, I'm extremely happy to uh, be a part of this community. Um, I think it's incredible where people, when we take a look back at the history of how far back we actually look how back far back in, we in go. history, where we go, um, to being We're right not a new today. fad of any kind. We are actually, we are not a new fad, you know? Um, so it's, uh, it's very exciting, uh, to see so many individuals at the forefront of our community and what they're doing and how they're in mainstream and in areas that, like, well, like we were just talking the about. accomplishments that they have oh. made, the strides that they made for our community. Yep. Yeah. Uh, need to be mentioned and talked about. You know, yeah. So we know where we came from. You can't know where you're going unless you know where you came from. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why what we've done tonight is we've each picked uh, five individuals that we felt um, deserved recognition and how important they were to our community and moving our community forward, not only in the past, but in the present, mm-hmm. and moving forward into the future. Um, I think that these types of individuals should really, uh, people should be very aware of them. Um, I know I'm going to pull out probably three on my list that probably nobody's even ever heard about, but yet we're such significant figures in history at, that, at this point. Um, that I think we should really take a look at that. And you hit it right on the nose when you said, um, you know, we need to know what our past is if we, you know, want to know where we're going. So who was your first lady that you decided, or gent, whoever you decided to go ah, with? First, first lady woman, yes. Uh, Christine Jorgensen. Okay, great. Yeah, Earl Glass from the past. That is. Christine, you know, she was a, um, an army man back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Had uh, gender dysphoria, gender issues, always felt female. Um, in Copenhagen, you know, Denmark, they were doing gender research. She had heard about procedures that were being done over there. And, 
she got um, someone to prescribe her hormones over here in the United States, uh, worked it out, went over there to Denmark, and had to get special permission from Denmark itself to have the gender-changing surgery. And it wasn't even completely like what we have today. Initially, she had an orchidectomy. She had the boys cut off. And then she had a penoectomy, where she had her penis cut off. Hmm. It wasn't until later, when she came back to the United States, that she had uh, vaginoplasty, because that procedure wasn't done at the time she had the other two procedures. And when she had the uh, vaginoplasty, um, I'll get the name right, Harry Benjamin was one of the medical consultants on her surgery. So he was there at the early beginning. And in fact, she did a lot with Harry uh, that she, that he um, did like a preface in her memoir that was published. uh, I think it was like 1969. He said um, that he credited her, with the advancement of his gender transition studies. And he wrote, indeed, Christine, without you, probably none of this would have happened. The grant, my publications, lectures, etc." And we all know that Henry, Harry Benjamin was one of the uh, founders, basically, of what became the World Professional Association for Transgender Health or, or WPATH mm-hmm. that has written so many protocols about the treatment of uh, transgender persons and their transition. So uh, Christine was like one of the big was, yeah. people in our community. She did it first. She was the first to have the surgery, mm-hmm. to be completely made a woman. And then she went on and had numerous, uh, she talked at colleges. She went on TV shows she was like the uh, Caitlyn Jenner of her day. Mm-hmm. And she really talked up transgender people. Of course, at that time, we were transsexuals. Uh, that was the name that was used for us back then. Transgender wasn't even a word until the late 60s. Right. So it was really transsexual. And she did a lot in support of our community and just made amazing advances in awareness of who we are and that we weren't a fetish and we weren't a sex thing. She tried to get married twice and wasn't able to because, well, two guys couldn't marry each other back then. And she liked men and uh, she never could get her birth certificate changed. And so that, that hung over her head her whole life. But she also worked as an actress and a singer on like the uh, lounge circuit, so to speak. She recorded several songs Mm-hmm. Um, and she she really did amazing things for our community. So I just think everybody needs to remember her, and that we just would not be where we are if it had not been for her. Yeah, and I I remember too. I've seen pictures of her. She used to just so classy. And she was pretty. She oh, was she really was pretty. Pretty, I know. You know, I, and the she didn't hair. have facial surgery. Her face oh. is just very. Feminine. Oh, and I know, and and uh, I can remember. She did transition young, like she was twenty six when she yeah. had the surgeries. So. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, that's one thing that I always remember about you know when I was doing a little bit of research and I read up on her as well. Um, and yeah, like the pictures that I saw, it was incredible. Like you would 
almost not even now. Uh, oh yeah, she was very classy. Oh, very classy, and she used to wear the big black hats and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You yeah, know, she was she was gorgeous. Um, you know, really yeah, she well was she was a star guy. back in the day. She oh, you know, yeah. numerous articles on her in the New York Times, New York Daily News. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very direct. She had a polished wit. Um, she she was just a really wonderful advocate for us, and really put us to the forefront of not being, you mm-hmm. know, drag queen esque or just a fetish or just you know some toy. Uh, the play with kind of thing that we were real people and this was a real thing. And, you know, Harry Benjamin was very instrumental in her transition. He helped hundreds of people back in the, you know, forties and fifties. It's amazing what was done back then. This we're talking 70 years ago. Oh, I know. I yeah. Know. So this ain't, this ain't no medical experimentation. This has been going on for long and they set the base upon which everything else was built on Mm -hmm. well yeah we owe her just a huge we we yeah and i mean for her as well um she was at the forefront of it and then uh marcia johnson that's one of the ones that i picked um Mm -hmm. she was born in 1945 she passed away in 1992 um she was uh a trans woman of color Mm-hmm. Um, she was part of the Stonewall. Matter of fact, she was the one that did Stonewall. She was sitting in the gay bar in New York City when the police raided the place. And she said, that's it. Enough is enough. And she stood there and she fought back. And there was no way that she was going to be arrested that night. Um, she, you know, These are transgender Rosa Parks. Exactly, basically, right? Um, I mean, really? Those ensuing... Yeah. Pro- she refused she, to sit down. Yeah, and she was one that where those ensuing protests lasted six solid days. And that started basically the whole modern LGBTQ rights, uh, you know, uh, movement. Um, It was the first Pride Parade was held in June of the following year. She was head of the parade. And that's that's incredible when you start to think about it. So we're and that was like in 69. So this is a bit ahead of, of Jorgensen and stuff. So. But you got to think in 1969, like, I mean, I, w- I was just like nine years old and, you know, I didn't, I was six. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know who these people were, um, you know, and the, the other part of it too was like with Johnson, like she was a huge activist. Uh, she fought very, very hard. Um, she actually fought side by side with another woman that I'm going to talk about a little later on this evening. Um, but they were, you know, um, they were both sex workers. And they were both homeless, but they didn't have any other choice. That was the only way they could support themselves. Yeah, back then there wasn't um, much, you know, we could do job-wise is us. Yeah, and also in turn two, uh, Martha Johnson was the first one to start an LGBTQ youth center in the U.S. Very first one ever done in the history of the U.S. She was the one that put that up. And she was also very, uh, very much a visionary, helped a lot of uh, women of color, um, as well as, you know, um, other, you know, other, you know, Caucasian women and stuff like that. So very much right in the wake of things. Um, in the AIDS crisis back in the 80s, um, she ended up uh, getting AIDS and that, um, you know, and she would do a lot of AIDS advocacy. Um, so she was also part of the group Startup for ACT UP is what it was called for that. 
Um, so she was very, very outspoken about people with AIDS, transgender people, the homeless, you know. So uh, she passed away in, uh, in 1992 in the actual youth shelter that she had started. Um, wow. And so she was obviously out of sex work uh, at that time and everything else and was just focusing on that. So another huge, you know, pillar in our community that, you know, was in Stonewall that forced and pushed, you know, um, the first LGBTQ youth centers and all of this. It's, it's incredible to see that it, at that time that this was going on in 69. So you can think that was basically the year of Woodstock and all of the other stuff that was going on. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We were going through the complete and total sexual revolution at that point in time, too. But she had already been dominant on the scene, you know, for a decade before that, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, for a woman of color and all of that that she has gone through and everything, I think she's a pivotal, um, you know, a pivotal marker in history. Uh, in regards to our community. So I was very impressed when I started to research her and, and read a lot about her, so. Awesome, yes, very wonderful uh, woman who just sacrificed so much oh. for our community and to drive our cause forward again. You know, another woman who did so much for us, we just would not be here in the same position without her. Oh, no. The sacrifices oh. that these women made back then and we think about the little issues that we have and it's just oh. mind-boggling what they oh, went through to get to where oh. they are yeah uh, you know another woman to talk about is renee richards oh yes She's big in yeah. sports yep you know she was an ophthalmologist and she actually played tennis as a guy and, and was very 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 good at that uh was a, an amazing athlete in, in her youth uh, was almost drafted on the baseball, but she wanted to play tennis instead. Uh, but she she fought her gender dysphoria for quite a while. And in the 70s, um, searched it out. And again, actually, Harry Benjamin helped her to successfully transition. That guy was everywhere back then. Wasn't he, though? Um, Amazing. Yeah, I know. I mean, we, we, uh, I, mean uh, I know it's Trans Visibility Day, but we wouldn't be visible without Harry. That, oh no for damn sure no you know, for sure for just, sure anyway did such amazing things but she had her uh surgery in 1975 and she moved out to california and got back into tennis and started playing and and uh started to kind of move up the circuit and then when she started to win stuff uh that's when the tennis the pro tennis association slammed it down on her and started requiring a chromosome test Mm -hmm. to play on the professional circuit and she challenged it and it went all the way to the new york supreme court and she won but that was a discriminatory practice oh, yes and so and she when i was a teenager back when all this was going on and so she was like first real trans person in life that i was aware of you know i was a trans kid back in the 70s and couldn't do anything about it, but I was really keen on her. I followed every news article about her and everything that was going on. And she actually came to uh, one of the cities near me, and the local station interviewed her. And uh, they treated her really, really nice. And, and the guy was talking to her about the issues with playing and what to deal with on the pro circuit. And, you know, and she was talking about like, they're making this thing about like, you know, 
somehow I have these huge benefits because I was born male. The same arguments that are made oh. today, 40 <laughs> years it later. Incredible. You know, it's just um, it's just nuts. And she talked about having it. It's really what I have is male bones, and I'm running around the court with female muscles. So I'm the one that's at a disadvantage. <laughs> you know, she was rebutting all this stuff that Again, we're having a rebut again today, but she won. Oh, I know. And was able to play on the circuit. Um, you know, she got as high as ranking like 20th overall in February 1979. Uh, she retired uh, a little later when she was 47 in 1981. And then she went on and actually coached Martina Navratilova, who went on oh. to win a couple of championships from being coached by her. And then after she retired, she, she stayed active somewhat in the community, but she became an ophthalmologist and served on several professional boards. Um, and uh, she is still alive today. Um, she did a uh, biography back in the 80s that I read called Second Serve. Uh, it was also made into a movie. And I remember uh, she was somewhat instrumental in my own life when I was fighting my own dysphoria back then. I remember she talking about how uh, she grew a beard and that helped her deal with her dysphoria, that it helped drive the thoughts of Renee, as she called herself, uh, when she dressed up, and that's the name she chose when she transitioned, uh, that it helped her deal with it to wear a beard. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one reason I had a full beard for most of my adult life, because it, it worked for a while anyway. And so and that's where I got the idea for uh, what's called now a denial beard. You know, it's called the denial beard. Uh, I never hey, thought of it that way, but it, it, yeah, very that. much. But you're denying <laughs> yourself and it's like, I got a beard and I'm a guy. You know, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, her story... Uh, very, very enlightening and for what she did with sports and us in sports. It's like she answered that question back then and why are we having to be fighting again today? So we, we owe Renee a lot. Oh, for sure. And it's surprising too that Martina Navratilova was brought up in that conversation considering how much she is against us. And she, I know it. And she actually trained. Like I know, that. trained under her. I know. And this is surprising. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, give your head a shake, Martina. Like, wake up and smell the coffee. How can you be so... I, 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 that's like so backstabbing. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and you it start to understand the story about Renee Richards and what she did for Martina Navratilova. And then Martina Navratilova comes out in public nowadays and stabs us in the back. Honey, yeah. you just got... You were trained by a trans woman. What the <laughs> hell... Like, wake up. I know. It's like, I'm sorry. You're such a hypocrite. You're such oh, a hypocrite. And that's the part that is just stupid is because, you know, that's the thing. I'll bet you hardly anybody even knew that fact. That no. Renee, that Renee it's Richard not, actually it's not well trained known. She doesn't bring it up. You know, I'd love right? for It's like, you know, what about Renee? You ever talk to her? You know, that trans woman that trained yeah, you sure and help you win those two championships? I'm just curious. Yeah. How do you feel about that, uh, Martina? Yeah. Did that give you an unfair advantage, you think? Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, it's, it's beyond hypocrisy. It, it is. And it, it's it's really know. frustrating, too, to see that kind of stuff happen, especially when she's in the community as it is anyway, and then she backstabs. Uh, yeah. Well, she you was know. booted off the board for being an ambassador for something or another. I forget what it was, but deservedly so. I'm sorry. Look, you can't, 
you can't be the ambassador for the LGBTQ community when you're dishing the tea. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and you, you, you can't do that. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't understand really. And I still don't really understand even her methods behind her madness as to why she did what she did. Because no, because she's agreeing with these arguments that being born male, you know, imbues you with some sort of superhuman strength and agility that never goes away, even under estrogen. Well, we know that's not true. Yeah, but of course it's not true. Because I'll bet you anything, um, she would have kicked Renee Richards' ass. Uh, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, oh, did you ever think of that, Martina? I mean, when, when you're an elite athlete and you transition, Odds are you're still going to be a damn good athlete on the other side. Well, yeah. Regardless. Yep. Okay. Well, we know that. And yeah, you're going to be able to beat some of the cisgender people you're competing against. You're really good. That's Mm -hmm. just how it is. It is. It's not about who you were born as. It's about the talents that lie within your body, whether they're being influenced by testosterone or estrogen. Right. So... Because we're on the sports thing, I want to bring the next person up because I think it's just the perfect timing for this. What a segue. <laughs> okay. I, I really do. Um, this, this individual is a trans man. Okay. Um, this individual um, has... Uh, now, we're, we're talking about uh, Patrico Manuel. This is the world's first professional male boxer who is transgender and has beaten and won professional fights against men. Which is awesome. And why is this okay. not making headlines? Anywhere? And it isn't. So, okay. So he, he's at, he right now, he's 34 years old. He is a featherweight fighter. Um, prior to the time of his transition, he fought in women's boxing and won lots of fights okay and then shifts over to the other side and starts kicking men's asses of course now wait a minute hold it we don't hear anything about this oh no no why why isn't the whole boxing world up in arms that they're the guys are getting their asses kicked by what a trans man oh my god oh well hold it wait a minute they're they're like what, why don't why are we hearing anything about this? Okay, this this guy has won professional boxing all over the place. He qualified in two thousand and two. Okay, um, for the the Olympics, didn't make the Olympic team, but did but our, he didn't make the, he didn't get he was an alternate is what it ended up being or that. Mm-hmm. So, but still um, fought um, and then in um, so now. He is the face of Everlast. And Which those, is a huge. I mean, that is the huge. brand for boxing. Okay. Know? But think of this now. This is the world's first transgender pro boxer is a face of an iconic boxing brand. Okay. Yeah. How is this not big? How is this not huge news? How is, how is it not? I had not I mean, heard of it see, until you brought this, him up. This is the thing I don't understand because... Why is it that we, uh, as trans women, are being picked apart at the bone mm-hmm. for what we're doing in, uh, in athletics? And we know full well, um, you know, uh, that, that 
we know for a fact our muscle masses go down, everything else, okay? Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it's just, it's extraordinary what this individual has done and nobody's heard of him. Nobody's heard of him, okay? Yeah, professional I boxer, winning professional fights against men. Okay? And to be the face of Everlast. And being the face of Everlast. I mean, the most iconic boxing brand there is. Exactly, okay? He doesn't know what Everlast is, I mean... You don't have to be a boxing fan or follow the sport to know what that brand is. Right. So, you know, but the thing, that's the part that kills me is that this is iconic. This is history in the making. I mean, you know, and then not to hear a peep about it anywhere, not on the news, not on anything. And yet, so I mean, why, why is that? Why do, why do we think that is? Like, I mean, obviously, we're, they're picking on the women's side of it. And, oh, well, he, you know what? Oh, he's a guy, so that's okay. We, you know, and we don't need to bring that to the forefront because he's just another guy. We don't have to worry about that, right? Well, no, I think they think that even because since you were born female, female, that you're never going to measure up no matter how much testosterone you get. You're never going to measure no. up to the real. And, 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 and yet he's kicking No, it's not a concern. You're not going to beat anybody. Well, oh. he's proving them wrong. He is. And he's won professional fights. And now he is at the forefront of a major iconic boxing equipment brand. That's incredible. So that was the reason why I wanted to pick that individual to be the face, uh, you know, of, of this conversation. Because I thought it was so important to bring this individual up because nobody knows who he is. And yet he is iconic as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, huge accomplishment. How more to be visible than to win a boxing match, a professional boxing match as a trans man? Yeah. and this uh, is, It's just huge, huge. Massive, massive visibility there. So, anyway, I just wanted to bring him up, and I thought it was a perfect time when we're talking about an average law. Oh, yeah, that was, that was excellent timing there. Like excellent. That. So yeah, so that that was my uh, my second choice. Okay, very excellent choice. Uh, I had not heard of him, uh, and, and thanks thanks for that, Nikki. That was wonderful. Uh, my next choice, my third choice, is uh, Jennifer Finney Bolin. Mm, good choice. I think, I think a lot of people have heard of her. She is an American author, trans woman, of course, television personality. She's a professor. Professor professor at Bernard <laughs> College of Columbia. Uh, she's also a contributing uh, writer at the New York Times, has a column um, regularly in there, which she talks about on all kinds of subjects, but uh, also a lot of transgender issues as well. Um, her 2003 autobiography, um, let me get the name right here, let me see it. She's Not There, A Life in Two Genders, it was the first book published by a transgender author that was a bestseller. It's an amazing accomplishment for her. Talking about her transition, um, you know, as a college professor, uh, which is huge. Oh. To be in a, uh, you know, academia like uh, which is often seen as more liberal, but still the fear is there with all, any one of us when we transition on the job and the job that we've been in, like she had been in this job for years as a teaching professor. And, uh, you know, she succeeded. 
People accepted her. She kept her marriage, uh, had two children, and uh, went on and has become very successful as an author. She's written like 13 different books over that time. Um, her newest book is called Good Boy, My Life and Seven Dogs, and it'll be published in April. In fact, she was going to go on a book tour for that book, and, and this pandemic has, of course, cut that short. Um, she's made a ton of appearances on various uh, media shows, the Oprah Winfrey Show, Larry King Live, the Today Show, 48 Hours, NPR. Uh, she also appeared on the iconic 2020 show that mm -hmm. uh, where Caitlin uh, came out in support of her friend, and then she was also on the I Am Kate show with her. Uh, I often thought that, you know, it would have been a great show if they could have just had Jennifer spin off and do her own show. Would have been <laughs> that would have been awesome, most, wouldn't it? Most wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Uh, her book, again, was very iconic in my own transition to read her story. Um, She's Not There, A Life and, and Two Gingers, so mirrored my own story. Things she went through, I had gone through, thoughts I had, she had had. Uh, and she gave me a lot of hope that I could transition mm -hmm. as a professional and it would be okay. And I think she is just very iconic for us as a professional woman transitioning, keeping her job, keeping her marriage together, raising her children half as father and half as a you know mom yeah, with so her wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, just being very, very successful. And I just consider her just a very measured uh, voice in our community, a very matriarch for our community. Mm -hmm. uh, and she, we just owe her a lot and all the things she's done, being visible, her accomplishments in the transgender community. I think she's just awesome. She's one of my, she's one of my heroes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I would have to put her on my hero list as well because I think just the idea of the professionalism and everything that she's done and accomplished in mainstream um, and with no reflection that she was trans at all. You know, you don't, you don't really hear that. She's taken directly for who she is and it's just, yes. oh, we, we have, you know, and come on to our show and we're going to talk and this and that and everything. And it's just, you know, so it, it's very inspiring um, for people that are say in the professions uh, no matter what that might be, mm -hmm. knowing full well that, yeah, I mean, you've got a good opportunity to be able to stay in your profession, to, you know, um, you're, you're highly educated, you're extremely smart, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of that. that Very I capable, think, yeah. book stale. Yeah, you know, you know and, and when we look at these kinds of individuals, I mean, our community that maybe, you know, are, are sitting there, and I hate to say this, but, you know, or maybe... Um, you know, always beating themselves up because everybody else is beating them up. Well, the whole idea of this visibility thing in this conversation is to show individuals just because you're fucking trans doesn't mean that you can't accomplish something or do something. That's that, that right? It, that, that's right. what it's about. If every, you know, if you took the positivity and you turned it around when you were being negative and you said, you know what, I'm just going to freaking stand up and I'm going to do it. And, I'm, and and do it, you know what I mean? Instead of, yeah. you know, I think it would help our community a lot more. I do understand there's a lot of stresses and pressures on people and all of that sort of stuff. But oh, yeah. yeah, but we all have the same fears. I mean, we do. Okay. Professor Boland had these same fears that we do. The fear of coming out. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my family? 
Yeah. Am I going to lose exactly. these things I have worked so hard to do? Mm-hmm. And she faced the same fear that we all do. Sure. And overcame it and succeeded and thrived and made an even better career because of it. Well, and, and that's the thing. And it just goes to show that, you know, you can overcome adversity. You know, it's all about attitude. If you really want it, you can do it. And, you know, I can, nay, I can think of a bunch of people in our community right now that have done it, you know? Well, yes, but fear can be paralyzing. Oh, fear can be paralyzing. And to overcome that fear, that is one of the most amazing accomplishments, I think, mm. in each one of us. To overcome that fear, step out of that zone that we've been in, that nice, comfortable box that we're so scared to get out of that somebody's going to slam the door on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to walk out of that closet with our head high and to like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be who I am. This is me. And yeah. damn, I'm going to be me. Yeah, exactly. So as much as we go through these individuals and that, like, I mean, here's another thing to think about. You look at the, all of these individuals like Renee Richards and, you know, um, we, we look at, uh, you know, Marsha Johnson and we look at other individuals in the 40s and 50s. You know, people should... The be, obstacles they face are different yeah. than the ones we and, face, and yet, even though they're similar. Exactly. And yet, in turn, I, I look at it that where if I wasn't, didn't be, want to be strong and stand up and do the right thing and keep pushing forward and all that... I'd be feel like I was letting them down because it's our community. Do you know what I mean? Like they broke ground for us. They went through sheer hell for us. Do you know? Yeah. We go through some rough times right now, but in turn, you know, it, it's, those are the types of things that they should, you should take positivity out of that. You know, you know, people back then were fighting for who we are today and they, they made a difference. And that, that's like they say, you know, starting the LGBTQ community, starting, you know, uh, different youth groups in, in the U.S. and stuff like that. Yeah. So that Fighting brings, for equality in sports. Yeah, exactly, right? So that brings me to my next choice, which was Sil- Sylvia Riviera. Now, she was uh, born in 1951, and she died in 2002. Um, she worked directly with um, Johnson uh, in that era of Stonewall. Matter of fact, she was, she, I read a story about her and a police officer got hit by a chair that she threw. And the cop was so surprised that he couldn't arrest her because he was in shock that the <laughs> person did this. And she was one of the very first ones that started fighting and beating on, you know, like just basically like, no, you're not going to do this. Uh, and I, and I, I put myself back and I've read some, quite a few articles about this. It is unbelievable. Can you imagine a whole bunch of trans women in there and gay people fighting against the police and started riots that yeah. lasted for a week for now, the right today, in today's age today, no. you know, like for who we are today, you know, yeah, we have pride. Parades no, I can't even that. get transgender people to come out to a support group meeting, <laughs> you know, so much less to a riot. Yeah, so anyway, so Riviera told Leslie uh, Feinberg, um, in, and, she, and Leslie Feinberg wrote a book about trans liberation, which uh, Sylvia Riviera was in, and so was uh, uh, Johnson and everything else. So that, and that was a very, very powerful book um, that was published and came out. Um, and 
that actually basically started a lot more of the movement as it started to move forward because it was one of the first books that was published in regards to you know that story that that trans liberation back from the, the 40s and the 50s and there was quite a few some other individuals that even you have mentioned were in that book um, because it was written in 1998 um, and then another thing that uh, Riviera was really well known for is that she was the one um, that uh, was fighting against uh, the inclusion or the exclusion in the New York Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act back in 2001 and uh, fought very, very hard in order to be, to be able to try to overturn that. Um, sadly, it didn't happen, but she was at the forefront of doing that. Um, and then till this day, now, believe it or not, she was actually a lawyer huh? in that time. And so there's actually right now, she has a legacy that lives on in the work of the Sylvia Riviera Law Project, which still is going till this day. So she's made significant steps and all of that towards low-income people, and she was very much the voice, and so is her organization, the, the Sylvia Riviera Law Project. Um, for um, low-income people, color, uh, you know, women of color that are transgender, uh, intersex, and gender non-conforming. So she was, she really made some huge strides as well, along with Johnson, and they kind of worked as a team together throughout that whole time frame, you know, I mean, right from the 50s into, you know, the 90s, where they worked together and they worked in um, like the Star House and that too, which was another support shelter for young transgender individuals and gender non-conforming people who were living on the streets. And that was one of the things that she did. And they built this whole house and everything and got the funding for it and all of that. And then sadly enough, it was torched by individuals that were against the trans community and the LGBTQ community. Um, and the landlord was the one that got caught torching the building. So there's some history there that um, is, is kind of interesting, too, on how all of that had, uh, had portrayed. So, you know, Riviera died in, in 2002, um, a great, another great example of somebody in history who really brought our community forward, fought for everything that she possibly could, along with, you know, uh, Johnson. So those two were the, my key factors that I really wanted to bring to the forefront of history, at least anyway, um, showing what was actually done back in those days and how hard people were fighting. And think oh, of that, you absolutely. have two trans women at the forefront of the Stonewall uprising. That's incredible. Okay. Yes, most people think it was it was it was more gay. Right, it was exactly. actually two trans women but, that were so it instrumental it was in the, making it happen. Yeah, but it was the two trans girl women that actually created and started Stonewall completely stood right up think of that a black woman and a white woman just like fighting and throwing chairs and doing everything and started the riots and all of that sort of stuff that's what happens when you've had enough and you're not going to take oh, it oh yes you don't give a damn about the consequences because well you have to you've had enough you have and it's to. time to fight and and so i admire those two very very much and uh that's another reason why i picked uh sylvia as being in my picks of choice oh it's an awesome choice thanks thank you yeah my next choice is uh, a young girl uh, of recent birth. Uh, she was born in 1997. She's 22 yeah. years old. Nicole Maines. 
Awesome. Uh, yes. A lot of people know her today as uh, Dreamer on Supergirl, mm -hmm. an actress. Uh, she is transgender. She plays a transgender character, first transgender superhero portrayed on television, um, and talks about transgender issues as her character, which has really brought a lot of things to fore. But she started her activism young, because when she was in middle school, um, she actually transitioned socially when she was little. She came, you know, was telling her parents she was a girl when she was three years old. Oh, not like Jazz Jennings. And she has a twin brother who is not transgender. Oh, interesting. And, and they were both adopted. So I know you, you know, being adopted yourself will find that of, of interest. Um, but when she was in middle school, the grandfather of a classmate of hers made a complaint to the school about Nicole, that she was a boy and that she shouldn't be using the restrooms like the other girls. And so this created a huge um, lawsuit that her parents sued the school, wanting Nicole to be able to use the bathroom of the gender she identified with. Uh, this lawsuit went on until she was 16, went all the way to the Supreme Court of Maine, and she won. Yes. Victory. She won. I mean, 16 years old. I mean, she started this when she was probably 10. And be out visible. You know, she wasn't known by name. She was Jane Doe in the case. But still, uh, once it was won, you know, she came out. Uh, everybody knew it was Nicole that was uh, party to the claimant in this case. And such an amazing, strong woman. I remember reading about her. Um, uh, when it was decided and um, just amazing. She's just amazing and now has gone on to be an actress and still, you know, being very active in the community and just, just a huge hero for, for especially the young and even us old broads that came out late in life. I just admire her courage and her stamina and standing up for who she is and taking it to the courts and having parents that supported her the whole way. Uh, she is just an amazing, very visible, very successful trans woman. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, for such a young figure, so predominant, so strong. Mm -hmm. um, do you know, I, I sometimes wonder if there is such a thing as reincarnation, because it seems like how can a, a person of 10 years old be fighting those kinds of fights, you know, and everything is against them. Everything is against her. And yet she stood up and, oh, she yeah. and yet now you take a look at her and you see where she is standing in the forefront, in the foreground, she's on a series now. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that's fantastic about all of this is, is seeing these individuals and these celebrities because those celebrity figures are the things that are really going to bring everything more to the forefront. It, it but she didn't start out as a celebrity. No. She became she a celebrity because she fought and how well yes. she fought and then yeah. she won. And she's an example of a trans kid that had puberty blockers mm. and she had hormones yep. and was able to go through puberty as a girl and what an amazing young woman she has become. No one would ever look at her and think she'd ever been a guy, ever. She didn't have to deal with all the other issues um, that us older transitioners deal with. And 
she's just a ex- shining example of what life can be for these kids who are able to go on blockers and hormones and go through the puberty that they should go through. She's just an amazing, wonderful example of how good it can be for these young kids. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, um, it, it's incredible to see these young, young girls and uh, coming to fruition and, and being able to be who they are and all of that. You know, it, it leads, it's a perfect lead in um, for my next choice, who is Janet Mock. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Now she's, yeah. So she's like a 35 year old now activist. She's a best-selling author. Um, she has an amazing story. Um, lived in Hawaii. Um, you know, I mean, she just, uh, Janet just finished um, signing a three-year multi-million dollar deal with Netflix. So she's a producer, she's a writer, and she's a director at Netflix. And she's becoming becoming the first openly transgender woman to be able to call the shots of a major content company. Now think of that. That's Netflix. And oh she, God, yes, yes. She's yes, running she's Netflix. She's 35 years old. Okay. So when we talk about transgender day of visibility, holy crap. You're talking about one of the oh, yeah, and she's been out visible and been visible all the way along. You know, she oh. transitioned when she was what 16, 18 yeah. years old. Yeah. 16. Quite quite young. Yeah. Not as young as Nicole, but young. But young, you know. Um, you know, and uh, it's it's funny too. Um, she's had the support from both her mother and her and her father. Um, and that is so key. You know, and that you is know, the support. Uh, Okay, her fa- her origin, like her birth father, was a real asshole to her, um, and so that caused quite a bit of contention. Um, she she says that her father called young Charles, which was what her her boy name was, a sissy. Mock says uh, she was called all sorts of things when she was growing up, like freak, faggot, tranny, the N word, because obviously she's a woman of color as well. Mm, um, she did not see her mom for five years until at the age of 12, she returned to Honolulu where her mom lived, where she flourished. Um, her mom was an amazing individual, extremely supportive, uh, never discouraged her at all from becoming Janet. Um, there, there were bigger issues in the family, um, you know, her mom didn't have the luxury of time and that um, of, with her children and stuff, but it was still like a total blessing to have her mother um, involved in her transition and, and her life in that. Um, so, you know, she, she did really, really well. Um, you know, it was norm to have people who are not male or female, you know, people who may be in the middle somewhere were living on the streets. And that's where Mock was actually living for a while, was actually living on the streets. Um, you know, now, uh, she's what, 35. Um, I believe she splits time between Los Angeles and New York. Um, you know, she's a very attractive individual. Um, she's, oh, she's beautiful. Out, you know, beautiful lady, beautiful lady. No, no doubt. No if ands or buts about that. She's quite beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, so believe it or not, um, you know, at 15, she began hormone treatment without telling her mom. And then soon after that, she started selling sex and stripping to pay for her $7,500 surgeries. So that's something else that you didn't bet, bet you didn't know about Janet Mock. 
she regrets though that she did do that uh doing a porn show, shoot her last thing that she did was like for 1500 bucks okay and that, and her first memoirs redefining realness she wrote that she was uh immortalized in the one part of her body that brought me so much anguish um so when you think about this she was she was part of the sexual community doing shots for porn living on the streets having sex and all that and now she is running one of the largest corporations in the world netflix you know at 35 so in a well she's not running the corporation well no she's a director she's the director so she does directing she does writing and and that so she's not actually like the full head of but she's no, like, uh, the yeah. board she's under she's under contract to produce content yeah. and for she Netflix, does, and which she is doesn't... huge in itself. Yeah. And so she for does just a normal writer, a normal cis writer would be huge. But wow. for have a transgender to break that barrier mm-hmm. is just beyond huge. Yeah. So she basically she's defined as a producer, a writer, and a director for Netflix. Okay. Um, and that's actually what she does. So yeah, she can she can sort of write her own ticket as to what she does. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, too, is that, believe it or not, Hollywood looked right over her and didn't want to hire her or do anything. And Netflix decided that they were going to give her a chance. And that was the best thing that Netflix ever did. So, so yeah. that was... Oh, that she was, was a major uh, driver of Pose, mm. the mm-hmm. series of, of the voguing balls back in the 80s. Uh, a huge um, hit maker. Mm-hmm. It was a big series, and she was a, a big reason that that ha- happened. Happened, yeah, yeah. So, who's your next choice, Terry? Oh, yeah, I have another choice. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting down okay. To my the last, last choice two here. is, is uh, someone I had not heard of a week ago. Oh, and saw a news article about her. Okay. Malak al Kashif is a trans woman in Egypt, Muslim. Uh, He's like 21 years old. Mm-hmm. She was driven out of her home when she was 13. Yes. Her father uh, told her that she needed to live by the rules and be a boy or leave. Mm-hmm. And she chose to leave. 13 yes. years old, Egypt. Very conservative, very conservative country. Muslim, uh, you know, changing your gender is seen as a sin because you're trying to change something that God created. I mean, we run into the same sort of argument here with with Christians that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. And the strength is this woman has exhibited and, you know, in fighting against transphobia, homophobia, sexual harassment, bullying in the patriarchy in her country. She's out there fighting all that every day. She's known as a huge activist and all the while transitioning and becoming authentic to who she is in Egypt. I just can't imagine. The the amazing strength and courage of this woman. And she is just really, really pretty. The pictures I've seen of her. And I mean, she has her demons. She has to fight because of all the trauma she has suffered through the time of her transition but as she says she is Moloch that is who she is that is who she's going to stay and I just offer up my prayers and thoughts to her is just an amazing brave woman who is making huge strides for her community in Egypt just yeah. just 
just an amazing story. Just really struck a chord with me when I read it. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody wants to read about that, I actually have a posting on my timeline about her. Um, with, and it's got a full picture and it's got, uh, it actually takes you to a new site that has a full write up on her and about who she is and what she's about and what she's had to do, what she's gone through and everything. Um, those are, that's one of those ones that where, you know what, we take a lot for granted being on the North American continent, Europe or that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And we're whining and complaining about shit. Uh, you know what? Here, yeah, I, I got nothing to complain about. Egypt and having to come out. And, uh, you know, go through the stuff that's going on there, especially with the, with the Muslim community. Um, and, you know, I mean, basically Muslims, they want to get rid of us. Like, that's it, you know. And yet to be brought up in Egypt and go through the things that she's done, I, I, I'm, I'm just at a loss as to how impressed the courage, the bravery. Oh, yeah, the reserves of strength the, the, uh, he has. It's, it's incredible. Her? It's incredible. Amazing. You know, so visible. That woman is visible accomplishments she has done for yeah. herself and her community over there. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, the strength, um, a lot of individuals in those types of countries could look up to her, knowing full well that, you know what? Well, if she can do it, why can't I? Right. And hopefully, and you know, sometimes that's all it takes is one person to start and then you get the momentum. And then a, bunch, a few more go, and then a few more people come out, and they do that. So yeah. somebody has to be Rosa Parks. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing: is somebody has and to. It's do not it. always a person who is like, you know, I am planning mm -hmm. to be an activist, and I'm doing this. A lot of times, it's that person who they've reached their breaking point. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, well, I'm done. I'm not going back to what was. It's only going forward, or it's going to kill me. Do you notice those are the mavericks? You know, those are the people that change history. Yeah, and do you notice too? Just about every story that we're talking about, almost um, every individual that we've talked about has come off of the streets or has gone come from somewhere in um, you know uh, a lower end, you know, uh, part of life. Uh, you know, all of these, a lot of these individuals that we're talking about started in a very, very difficult situation, like so many of us did. I mean, shit. Um, you know, I don't like to use myself as an example, but I lived on the streets for two years, you know? Um, so it's, it's an old case that where you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And I'm a firm believer of that. And so anyway, this, this girl, absolutely incredible. Oh yeah. She's the Just epitome Absolutely of that. incredible. And way and beyond. Oh, um, you know. It's one of those ones where I wish we could go and say, okay, come come to Canada or come to North America. Here, we're going to bring you here. We're going to give you a new life and start out in a new life. Oh, yeah. Well, she wouldn't be able to migrate to the United oh. States with Trump ban. No, they, not really. And if it wasn't for COVID, we actually have um, a thing here in Calgary called Rainbow Railroad. And what they do is that they'll look for individuals that are similar to her and bring them to Canada and wow. give them the opportunity to have citizenship and all of that sort of stuff. It's something that um, Rainbow Railroad's been around for just about eight or nine years here. And I think uh, in total, they've brought about 32 trans people from, you know, it's not, you can't come from London or something like that, but it is. It's from very poverty-stricken company right, countries right, right. or individuals or places where they didn't have a life and their lives were in jeopardy. These lives are in danger. Ex exactly. You know, just right. for being who they are. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I, I give all of the, all, uh, a bunch of kudos out to, um, you know, 
uh, the Rainbow Railroad for what they do too. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So the next person that I want to talk to, we're back to the sports thing, is uh, Cece Tepler. Uh, trans woman um, is who is on the track and field team for Franklin Pierce University. Um, became the first openly transgender women to win a National Collegiate Athlete Association title in the 400 meters. In, you know, in June of this year, actually. Uh, her win well, spark could be part. June of this year because June or last year. Happened. Yeah, last year. <laughs> Or I'm still in last year for Pete's sake. Prophetic, I'm are you? Oh, okay. Yeah, we are in March, aren't we? That's exactly it. Um, but anyway, her win sparked like all of that controversy and everything that's oh, yeah, been, yeah. You know, regards to Amazon, trans women. Yeah. Um, but again, um, you know, uh, it, it's something that we have to talk about that where, you know, why is it? that trans men, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, go kick some boys' asses. But we don't want to tell anybody, and we don't want to bring that to the forefront. But right. one, one girl wins a couple of races, gets her ass kicked the majority of the time, and she's brought to the forefront saying that, oh, she's crushing the entire sport, and that, oh, my gosh, do you know how many times she's been beat by women? Oh, they don't mention that. Oh, really? We don't talk about that. No, no, no. Because then, yeah, because then that would go against everything that, you know, we, we want to try to manipulate and that. So, um, you know, another woman. And, on the, and on, on the collegiate level, NCAA, there are medical protocols in place for a trans woman to even participate, to play and compete. Yep. You have to be on hormones for at least a year. And your testosterone level has to be in cis range, just like a cis woman. Mm -hmm. So whatever advantages testosterone may have given her at some point in time are long gone. They are long Long gone. gone. No, and and I mean, we did a previous podcast on this. um, Yes, we did. Sports and all of that sort of stuff. So you can review back through our previous podcast. I don't remember the exact episode number, but we had certainly... Um, C.C. Tepler was also brought up in that one, as well as other individuals that we had talked to. It's about. amazing how many of our cast just sort of dovetail together. They do kind of go together, don't they? they do that. In some way, form, or fashion, or another, which uh, which is great because I think it's extremely important that we we look at these individuals. That this is mm-hmm. what you know, trans day of visibility is is looking at individuals, having the difficult conversations, the and their accomplishments. And they're as transgender individuals sure. of what they do in spite of being trans, so to speak, and, and all you, the baggage that comes with us. Well, when you think about it, I mean, when you go and you win division championships, damn right, so you're going to be put in the spotlight. There's no question, yep. but go mm-hmm. ahead and do it anyway, because you know what? It's the right thing to do. It's the Absolutely. right thing to do. Okay, You shouldn't hold yourself back just because you well, are transgender. You know, and, and I think, again, a lot, everybody that we're talking about tonight is inspirational. When, you know, anybody, whether you be a trans man or a trans woman listening to this podcast, this should be inspirational. This should be those individuals are like, wow, you know, yeah, they're at the forefront and they've done the hard work. You know, yeah, life for you may be a little bit tough or whatever, but think about it. Somebody went through sheer freaking hell to give you the opportunity to at least have what you have. Yes, we're still fighting for rights. Yes, we're still doing all of that. But take a look at it. I'm afraid people have been fighting for equality for thousands of years. 
Okay. Oh God, it ain't. It uh, just uh, never goes it, away. We seem to know, fight the same battle uh, over and over. Exactly. Circumstances may change, but they're basically the same battle. Yeah. But the, the idea is, is that all of these individuals that we're talking about tonight, CC Tepler, all of that, it goes to show that if you actually want to stand up and make a statement, you can. You know, don't be. Yes. Afraid. Doesn't don't be doesn't afraid. matter if you're living on the streets or you're a college professor. Exactly. You can do this. You can, you can do, do this. It. You know, um, that like I did a, a spot called 20 Seconds of Courage. That's all it is, because once you get that first 20 seconds of courage and you get that motivation and that momentum going, yeah, you're still going to run over some things and, and that, but at least the momentum is going and you will succeed. You are, you, I, I'm every, always, every journey starts with the first step. That's right. Exactly. Um, and it's more for the youth than anything. I mean, us old girls, we kind of are already set in our ways in that um, and that too. But, I don't know. But Really to transition in your 50s? Some major changing of ways. <laughs> oh, yes. But I mean, in, in the sense of that, I, I, I look at it that where even then that's true. You know what? I, I, I will uh, retract that statement because um, when yeah, you start this, to look at this it. This old dog learned some new tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think two dogs on the barking chain here has learned a lot of new tricks and had to do a lot of things and, and done that. So, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to talk about CC Tepler just for a couple of minutes there, because obviously another sports figure that I thought is very predominant. She's oh, no, that was excellent. Right yeah, um, that's here and now. This is our present yeah. day. And I mean, there are plenty of trans men and women out there being visible. Mm hmm. Showing people that we are not a fetish, we're not a sex thing, right. we're just people trying to live our lives like everybody else. We want to work, we want to earn a paycheck, we want to be loved and to, to love, and yeah. we're just like everybody else. Well, I, I look at it this way. Um, are we humans? Uh, last time I looked, yeah. Yeah, and I think everybody else on the planet is what? Hold it, wait a minute. Humans? Humans. So... First and foremost, we're human. Exactly, right? Everything after um, that, secondary. Yeah. So um, do you have somebody else you would like to talk about tonight? No, that was, that was my list. I mean, there there's so many out there um, that we could, you know, talk about. Um, I had one in mind, and Laverne Cox. Sure. Trans woman yeah, of color, yeah, you know, yeah. Orange is the New Black, huge actress in that, just really raised um, awareness of us, you know, transgender, especially trans uh, women of color. She was on the uh, cover of Time, I believe it was. Yeah, it was. She's you know, the tipping time. point, transgender tipping point, that. Yeah. Uh, she looked yeah. absolutely gorgeous on that cover. Uh, she's made huge strides and is from Mobile, Alabama, where I live. Um, so, mm -hmm. and she, she has an amazing story herself, which is somewhat similar to, to Janet Mox, actually. So, um, yeah. you know, give her an honorable mention to be on our list. So, yeah, she's, she's amazing as well and out there accomplishing, oh. being visible as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. That is what tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow, Transgender Day of Visibility is all about to be visible as a trans person and to show your accomplishments in being a trans person. Mm -hmm. That is what being visible to others is about. Oh, yeah. And being proud of who you are and fighting over adversity and, you know, making a statement. 
you know, in a good way and in a good light and to show the rest of the community that they can do anything that they put their minds to. Because obviously the individuals that we've talked about tonight, holy crap. You think about, you know, just some little difficulties that you may have now. Maybe they're not such a difficult thing anymore. Maybe it's yeah, really kind of puts it in perspective, perhaps. It it's like, you know, well, maybe I don't have um, it so bad. It does. And, and the other side of it, too, is when we talk about that, that visibility, we've, we've talked about some very um, high-profile individuals, okay, mm-hmm. that, you know, are, are there. Maybe a few of these that nobody's ever heard about, um, but in turn, they're still high-profile individuals. But the thing is, though, too, is that when we talk about Transgender Day of Visibility, it's about all of us. It's about every single one Absolutely. of us being out there, being a part of the community, showing our support for the community, working in industry, you know, doing, you know, like yourself in the state government and, you know, being one of the first individuals to come out in the state government um, to be like that in Mobile, Alabama. That's, you know, I mean, you, you take a look at it. There's so many other individuals out there that, you know, are making statements. And that's the whole idea about being visible. It's oh, yeah. not you don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to win gold medals. You can be out and visible in your own community, wherever you may live, mm-hmm. and, and have huge accomplishments for who you are. Right. And be visible. You know, once you trans, it's it's hard not to be visible when you transition from one <laughs> well, to another. And that's it is thing. really difficult you know? not to be visible in some way because that is a very visible transformation. Yeah, um, and it and it is. And I think you know we we take a look at it too. And the more visible that individuals are, um, or, and that are at the forefront, um, the more the significant change will be. The more acceptance there is because people will start to realize, hey. That was a trans person. Wow, they do a great job. Um, you know, and guess what? All they want to do is, you know, put food on the table and pay their rent and I, just have have a decent life. And, you know, gee whiz, uh, you know, they're, they're just kind of like me. You know, they're not the scary individuals that I had originally thought they were, that the government makes right. us out to be, or the right wing idiots make us out to be, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you know. Um, we're just people. We just want to be who we are. But stand up, yeah. you know, be at the forefront wherever you can. That part of being visible is what really counts. Is everybody can do this, and everybody should be at the forefront of it. So, I want to wish, Absolutely. you know, I want to wish everybody a happy day tomorrow. We're taping this the day before, obviously, because we both have commitments tomorrow evening that we couldn't do this. Otherwise, we would have done it tomorrow. Um, Terry, you want to run through your event that you've got going on tomorrow night? Just so oh, yes. Tomorrow, know. we're doing a webinar through um, a nonprofit that I'm on the board with, Rainbow Mobile. You can find us on the web. You can find us on Facebook and find links to the webinar we're doing. We're going to have four local transgender uh, individuals, two trans men, two trans women, talk about their experiences being visible uh, and their accomplishments as uh, transgender people mm-hmm. and uh, share their experiences and hopefully get a lot of good questions from the public. This is a public event and it will be streamed live. Uh, we'll be moderators, so I hope to keep things rolling and have some good questions coming in. So looking forward to doing that. I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun to uh, to do something virtually in this time of the pandemic when we're all quarantined. And this is about the only way we can see each yeah. other is through video calls like yeah. me and 
and Nikki here were like what two thousand miles apart or something. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. So, uh, but uh, this is always a highlight of, of my week to do these podcasts with with Nikki, and uh, it's just a great resource and tool that we have. Yeah, for sure. And it, it is, it's really enjoyable to do these, that's for sure. So um, I want to wish everybody an amazing day tomorrow. Um, think about it. You know, um, we should all be proud of who we are and what we are about. Um, try and catch Terry's show tomorrow, um, if you possibly can. And uh, we will be back to you probably on around Friday when we're going to be doing another podcast. Absolutely. And, be here before you know it. Yeah. And it seems time does seem to fly. It just like blows by. It but, does. Oh my God. Yeah, Everybody so. stay well, wash your hands, social distancing. Yep. Yep. It's and for you and for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And remember to watch our uh, COVID-19 uh, or listen to our COVID-19 podcast that we just did. Uh, it seems mm -hmm. to be a lot of people are enjoying that one and listening to it and all of that, but there's lots of tips and tricks in there too. Uh, yes, a lot of good stuff in all our podcasts. Yeah, we so. try to make it as interesting as possible. And then a little bit of zaniness on the side. And fun. To keep it. Well, you got to kind of do that, right? So yeah, what it is. So anyway, everybody, have yourself a wonderful uh, evening, morning, noon, night, sleep, whatever the hell you Wherever you may be. Now. It's five o'clock somewhere. Have it a beverage and enjoy yourself. Exactly. Right. So have a good one and we'll see you soon. Night, y'all. Night. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by transgenderlifecoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw. Thanks.